I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Legia and Mike Deaton. Uh, Legia and Mike, they found each other as perfect partners in business and life. Um, 2016, they were leveraging decades of experience in Fortune 50 multinational companies, and they chose to stop trading their time for money and become entrepreneurial partners. So I think, uh, this will be a much better told story coming from both of y'all's mouths. So we'll, we'll do that. But first of all, I just want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. We're thank excited you. to be on and, and share our story. Awesome. Well, then why don't you go ahead and get started? Uh, start wherever you like, uh, as much detail as you like. I'm, I'm very interested. <laughs> I was born in... Uh, <laughs> No, it's okay. <laughs> no, um, gosh, our story. So, you know, I think uh, I'll speak for me. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in a very um, middle class, mainstream. Uh, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, you know, I don't know if we were middle class, maybe lower. I mean, my my parents, uh, we moved a lot. Just they were house flippers before house flipping was a thing, really. And, um, you know, I, I grew up largely in what I think many people would uh, identify with as the quote unquote normal um, American path, right? You grow up, you go to school, your parents encourage you to get good grades, you go to university, you get out, you join the workforce, um, sure. working for a company and uh, without just you know, spending too much time or glossing over too much. I mean, I, I spent uh, a few decades climbing the corporate ladder. I started in um, manufacturing in a, in a high-tech company, Motorola, who, you know, at the time that I started, they were, um, you know, a dominant uh, electronics company. And um, I kind of transitioned after a few years into Nokia mobile phones when Nokia was king of the mobile phone world. Um, and, uh, was working there for many years. And, uh, in, so, you know, I, I kind of did that for, for many, many years. I had an opportunity, um, at a tumultuous time in my life. So in 2016, or sorry, in 2006, I separated from my first wife at the time, um, was going through a lot of personal turmoil, um, felt like a big failure, uh, in terms of, you know, my personal life and, and having that, um, not work out. And I got an opportunity to work, uh, overseas and, uh, in an ex expatriate, expatriate contract with Nokia starting a factory in Romania. And so that's where Lydia is from. And I will pause and let you give a little <laughs> bit of your background if you like. Well, I, I uh, was born in Romania in 1975, and uh, um, I grew up in, a, in, the, in, in communist Romania back then. 
uh, I was 14 when the revolution happened and Ceausescu was was killed. But um, yeah, I, it's nothing nothing really um, you know entertaining about my story. I grew up there and then I um, started working. Um, when I was 18, I started having a couple of jobs and a sometimes the most I had like three jobs I were I worked very very hard and then I started working for Nokia in 2006 and that's no 2006 seven that's when I met uh, this handsome guy (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I remember back then when um, I was uh, the executive assistant for the GM and he was telling me, oh, there is this like handsome dude that's coming from America. You know, I need you to take care of him and kind of show him around. And I remember uh, when I saw Mike first time in a, um, in a conference room, I, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I could just fall in love with this guy. Like right here and right now, you know, it's just a love at first sight, I think for me, obviously. Awesome. Two, two interesting things there I want to highlight. So one, Lydia is very humble and she just glosses over that whole, oh, my, my uh, background wasn't very interesting. I mean, for most people, we have no idea what it's like to grow up in, in under a communist dictator and, and go through, you know, all of that. So uh, that's, yeah. I wasn't, that's, I wasn't going to let that go. Oh, it's thank not you. very interesting. I'm like, it might be the most interesting story that I've ever had on the podcast. Yes. So yes, yes exactly. I, uh, I was like, let's. <laughs> Let's, let's not pretend that that's nothing yet. Please don't. Yeah, because it's a fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating for a lot of people, right? It's just something that um, none of us have an experience with, thankfully. But, um, and then the second thing is, you know, I also was, um, as I mentioned, I was, I was escaping in a way um, my situation and going to something brand new. And I, I had a mindset of, um, you know, I was going to, I was going to be a bachelor for the first time in, I don't know, 20 years or 15 or so years. And uh, I was going to Romania, I was going to just be in a big playground and have a lot of fun and, and do things on my own. And then yeah, like the literally the first uh, day that I went into the office, um, you know, sparks fly. And so Lidge and I kindled a romance right there. So life, life definitely has a way of um, upending what you think is your plan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have a similar story, similar story. I didn't go all the way to Romania, but yeah, after <laughs> going through a divorce, I sort of, I'm from originally from Boston and I was like, I'm just, I gotta go. Uh, and I went down to North Carolina and very quickly bit, met my current wife. And so it's just, kind of, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I thought I, the same thing. I was like, uh, I'm just, I just gotta get out, get it, get it, you know, sort of be on my own for a while. And that lasted. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a week or two or something. It was yeah. a very short period of time, but yeah. <laughs> and we've been together since. So anyway, anyway, uh, now, Gia, I don't, I don't want to push you. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I, I do think your, your backstory is, is very interesting. And I think w- what I found, you know, th- this, this podcast is, you know, real estate centric, but, but really what I, what I find interesting and what I think shapes us is our background and i think you know that the way you grew up is unique and different to like literally anyone else i've talked to on the podcast or well no i have some i have some other friends that have come from uh you know sort of similarly troubled company countries but but i i do think 
if you don't want to go into it in detail, I think maybe offer as we go through insight as to how you feel like that shaped you. And, you know, as you moved forward, you know, once you met this very handsome man, what the, <laughs> what, what that background goes into, you know, your business and your entrepreneurship and all of that. So um, I, I won't, I won't force you, but whatever, whatever relevant parts of that, that you would be willing to share would be awesome. Absolutely. Okay. So you met Love at First Sight, and then? Yeah, so that was 2006, and I was um, unofficially on my contract, and then, you know, I, I was there for about three years or so, um, and yeah, it was just, you know, our um, our relationship was something that I've really not experienced uh, in terms of um, the way we fit together and interacted with each other. Lidge is a super supportive um, person and very kind-hearted. And um, it just was, you know, very uh, welcoming and peaceful uh, to, to be in a relationship like that. And so uh, we moved back to the U.S. or um, I moved back. She moved, she moved with me in 2010. So we were married in um, 2009. We moved back in 2010 and um, both continued working. So I was with Nokia still, Ledger got a job with a healthcare company uh, in the world of W2, right? We, we quickly jumped back into the American dream, which is, you know, a, a mortgage, a big house, cars. Um, we didn't ever really live an extravagant lifestyle, but, you know, we were working um, jobs and paying bills and, and all of that. And, um, you know, our, um, you know, the, the conflict in our story really comes in 2016, where we both found ourselves um, out of work. And so, you know, Lydia's company was relocating um, or consolidating their operations in Northwest Arkansas. I was with Microsoft at the time who had purchased uh, a portion of Nokia. So I went with that. And, um, you know, as a part of that transition, I was traveling uh, twice a month, uh, working long hours and you know we were just kind of in that normal american grind uh that that people get into uh, i have two daughters from a previous marriage and they were um both uh one was in college the other was about to enter college and so you know we found ourselves um we found ourselves at an interesting place in life where um we were challenging what you know what do we want out of life and did we want to in fact go back into corporate america and working for someone and you know not pursuing what our dreams were which at the time i don't think we even really had stepped back and to think about what our dreams were um and so because you know like most people we just get busy living day to day and um climbing a little bit a little bit extra each each uh each day so we took that opportunity to really step back and and breathe a little bit and allow some space to come in and think about what did we want for the rest of our lives you know and um as with almost anybody i would imagine uh when you take the time to introspect and if you you know, I like to, um, 
we do an exercise sometimes when you fast forward in life, right? And you look back from either your deathbed or like a late in life celebration or something. And, and you think back on what you want to think back on your life from that perspective. It's never, uh, I got the Mercedes I wanted, or, uh, you know, we lived in a certain kind of house. It's always about the relationships you have. And, um, the experiences that you that you had. And so, you know, we came to a point where we really felt like, you know, we actually enjoyed spending as much time as possible with each other. So we wanted to spend as much time as possible. And to be able to travel, we love to travel, we love to have new experiences, uh, to foster relationships. And, um, and so, you know, we can get into it a little bit, but that kind of that started our journey into real estate uh, and into the world of entrepreneurship. And we agreed with one another that we would, we would just take the opportunity to at least pursue um, something different. And if it didn't work, then okay, we get jobs again, or, or do something right. So there was this, um, there was this floor underneath us where we said, okay, let's give it a try. And worst case, um, we go back to work, get jobs and, and kind of do things there. But that was, you know, that was really our um, pivotal moment, I would say, where uh, life changed. And, and not only did it present us with options, but we stepped forward into those options and, um, you know, decided to give that, that path uh, uh, pursuit. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I love what you said there about sort of that exercise of looking, looking back, you know, if you're, you're, you're on your deathbed, you know, and if I heard, there's a big study about, um, mm. I think it was a nurse, like interviewed a bunch of people that were essentially literally on their deathbeds and asked them, like, do you have regrets? What do you, what right. do you wish about your life? All of that stuff. And it's like, you know, no one was ever like, gosh, I really wish <laughs> I had that Mercedes, or I really wish I had that, you know, all the jewelry, whatever it is, like it's it's never you're never looking back and wishing you had more material type items. It's it's always like you said about relationships and experiences. And I think it, it you know probably everybody comes to that realization at some point. It's just a matter of did you do it soon enough to actually realize it. And right. yeah, you know, fortunately for for you, you folks had a sort of an event. You know, in, in terms of uh, your corporate careers. And so it, it, you know, came down to, to actually making that decision. So I, it, it is very easy to get caught up in, especially at, if you're successful, like yourselves, like you're, it's not, there's nothing wrong with <laughs> sort of being successful in corporate America. Like that's a, a lot of people absolutely are happy with that and that's fine. Yes. But, but sometimes, yeah, you do sort of get to that point where it's like, okay, but what do, what do I want to do? What do I really want to do? What do I really want my life to look like? What do I really, uh, you know, what kind of impact can I have? And any of that stuff. So, um, so think, when you came to that realization, like what, what did you do? What, what steps did you take? Yeah, so, I mean, I think ultimately what we all want is time. We want time, you know, when, when we get to that point in life, you're wishing you had time to do X, Y, or Z, or all of it, or whatever, right? So, you know, once we came to that realization, we started thinking about exactly that, like, you know, okay, now, what do we do with it? And so, you know, at that moment, another confluence of life was, uh, we had revisited, um, 
rich dad, poor dad, which I would say 99% of all real estate people in, involved in any kind of real estate have some Robert Kiyosaki story, right? They've, they've read rich dad, poor dad. And it comes their, their light bulb moment for a lot of people. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but that had us thinking about um, cash flow and finding opportunities to either invest in or um, own businesses or something that just generated cash flow. And that became, you know, the seed in the back of our minds in, in terms of, of what we could do. And that was before we found ourselves out of work, but um, we just hadn't acted because we were, we were working. Um, and so uh, also maybe about a year before in 2015, I would say I did start exploring what could other options be? And I started listening to a lot of podcasts and doing some research and thinking. And um, in the course of all of that, I had heard a couple of different people um, who had been doing vacant land investing slash flipping, if you will. And so I had purchased um, uh, an education package that that uh, was out there and, and it came in the mail and it was a bunch of manuals and some videos and different stuff. But you know, I had put it on the desk, just not doing anything with it because we were busy living life and working and doing all these things. And so, you know, at that moment, we took the opportunity to, to kind of revisit that and say, you know, maybe this, maybe we can make this work. And um, later in 2016, we decided to go all in on, on that. We just said, let's do it. You know, other people are doing it. There's no reason that we can't. And so we set aside a, um, seed money that we wanted to, to seed our business with. Uh, and we just said, you know, we'll give this a year and this investment and, and make it work. And so we uh, went about um, deeper education. We uh, went to some boot camps where, you know, there are other land investors and a little bit of um, high level coaching, let's say. Uh, we found a mentor, we hired a coach, uh, we, we, you know, we decided that if we were going to pursue this as a full-time business, we should invest mm -hmm. in, you know, doing it and accelerating our growth in that business. And so, you know, 2017, we officially launched um, a real estate business. Uh, we we kind of jumped all in. It wasn't a quick win for us. I would say, you mm -hmm. know, it took us six months to gain a little bit of traction, uh, but we persevered and we pushed through. And then, you know, the second half of 2017, things really accelerated. And so, you know, over the course of two to three years, um, we really built that up into a nice um, level of cash flow. And just, you know, a little bit of backstory about that type of, of business is a majority of the sales in the model that we were following, following come through um, owner financing. So we would carry promissory notes with our clients. And then, you know, as you sell more and more properties, those start to stack up into thousands of dollars of income per year. And so, uh, sorry, per month. And um, yeah, so, you know, 2017 was a, was a pretty good growth year for us. And um, to the point of examining what you want out of life, we also decided um, to downsize. You know, we had um, girls were out of the house on their own. We didn't need what we had. And so we sold our home in, um, in Plano, which is a little bit uh, north of Dallas. And uh, we decided to move to Colorado. Um, you know, we, we kind of thought about if we could live 
anywhere we wanted to, where would it be? We both love mountains and, and being out in nature and wanted to spend as much time as we could while we were young enough to enjoy it. And so we, we moved to Colorado and, um, and gave our business a go. And, you know, it, it, uh, like I said, after two or three years, we had a really nice income stream built up and, um, and, uh, yeah, so we've, uh, I don't want to fast forward too much into the story, but you know, that, that leads us to where we are today in that, you know, we, we started getting really hefty, uh, income tax bills. And so we were looking for ways to mitigate taxes, which, um, after reading another, uh, of the rich dad, poor dad, um, series, which tax-free wealth, uh, with Tom Wheelwright, uh, we started looking for depreciable assets and that's what led us into, um, multifamily acquisitions and, and investing, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, that's kind of to the, to the bio lead in, that was our perfect pairing of, um, you know, high returns on land investing with really great tax benefits on multifamily. Uh, so that's, you know, that, that, that's what we do today is we have both streams of business and, um, you know, we're, we're working on driving our tax bill down to, to zero or a refund wouldn't hurt my feelings either, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, nobody's sad about that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very cool. And it's, it's a, sort of a funny coincidence that you're the, the second guests that I've had on that have done any land investing. And the first one was like this week. I mean, it's just like, I, I just, uh, yeah, I just saw that drop on your feed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it just came out, Turner. just came out yeah. today. And, and so, um, it's, it's a very, it, I got to sort of really get into the nuts and bolts with him. And it was, it was really pretty cool to hear that because it wasn't really, uh, when I started my journey, I, I looked at a lot of different options and, and mm -hmm. I still keep, you know, it's like, I, I probably have a little bit of that shiny, shiny object syndrome in the sense yeah. that I'm like, that looks fun. That looks fun. You know, right. kind of all these right. things, but, but I, what you talked about in terms of the, you know, the, the tax benefits of multifamily investing in, in depreciable assets, wh whether that's, you know, one of the other asset classes, mm -hmm. but the, I think it's, it's very common for people as they're starting to get into real estate to do some sort of like transactional type thing. Like a lot of people start with flipping. I think the land investing is not as common, but it's, it's similar, right? It's mm -hmm. like, you're, you're sort of, flipping that land, whether you're just finding it cheap and selling it for more, almost like wholesaling, or you're, you're actually breaking up the lots or whatever the case might be, you're, as you said, like there, there's nothing depreciable about that land. So you're, you're, it's truly from a tax standpoint, it's like a job, right? It's like, like flipping is like a job from a tax standpoint. They don't, you know, right. you might make a big chunk of money, but you're going to pay taxes on. So then you, combine that with something else that has the the bigger tax benefits and and now you really create this this machine that you, you kind of it's we, we talk about it a lot here on on the show but it's just like figuring out how the game works mm. right? like what is it it's it's not necessarily always about just making more money it's about keeping more of that money that you have that or that you've made Right, you worked hard for it. You might as well figure out the ways that you can to <laughs> sort of keep it in your bank account. Absolutely, yeah, and um, you know exactly that. So you know, in reading um, 
Tom Wheelwright's book and a little bit of his material, uh, the government uses economic policy to steer social and business behavior, right? So they give certain incentives to certain tasks and activities, and they are harsher on others, right? They want to encourage, and housing is something that is in the in the nation's best interest to have a lot of safe, affordable housing. And so that's one of the areas where you can reap um, good benefits, uh, and those generally come in the form of tax breaks. And so, yeah, I mean, if 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 you can and are able to take advantage of it and provide a service to the nation that the government says, you know, we 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 value this, then yeah, take the benefit. And um, many people do it, and it's uh, you know, so um, that's kind of where we came to, and yeah, it's been great so far, and uh, yeah, it's. How would you, how do you maybe break down the distribution of your business? Like, what are you, are you actively doing the land investing and then passively investing in multifamily or are you active in both? Like, what, what is your, what is your strategy? What's your sort of, you know, what are your days look like at this point now that you can control them? Um, Yeah, so we are, the land is a, um, it's a pretty active business, the, at least the way we run it. You can run it more, and we know several people who run theirs more like a business where they have employees or contractors and, um, and steer certain things. We, uh, we enjoy uh, having real estate professional status, which allows us certain other benefits and being able to take you know, much more depreciation than a person with a normal W two job or something, right? So, so we take an we take a pretty active role in in life today. Um, Lydia runs ninety percent of the land business. She kind of um, steers it. She she runs the deals, um, and we've started multifamily almost two years ago. And I've kind of taken a, a heavier um, upfront load in that. Um, and in the multifamily. Our journey has been largely, we started passively. We invested in a few deals as LPs or limited partners where we just invested. And, um, you know, we we got to understand the language of multifamily and commercial real estate, um, how deals are structured, how they work. And then, you know, after that, we um, joined more as active general partners where we got to see a little more of the deal structure and and how things work uh, in terms of investor communications and raising capital and putting in risk capital and and all of that and then um, late last year we you know advanced a little further and we were the lead sponsors on our own acquisition so we we kind of ran everything we formed a team we we found you know help worked with the legal team we worked with the lenders uh and just did it more end to end um and so we've we've progressed and you know at least in terms of multifamily we're we're still a hybrid we we like to invest passively when we find um good deals but but we're actively sourcing and um raising capital and um you know really i would say um, in the world of multifamily, m- more so than land, land we we also try to um, we also try to have a mission of service. You know, we we like uh, in terms of running our business, we like to feel like we provide value 
uh, as much as possible. And so, you know, in land, it's about bringing and making, making it more accessible to a broader swath of the public. And so we owner finance a lot of things. We try to give very friendly terms. We get to know our clients. We work very intimately with our clients. We have a lot of, a lot of people that run into trouble, right? They can't make payments for a little while. So we'll try to restructure loans and, uh, and do things and, and really work hard um, to provide a, a very um, valuable service. Same, um, you know, you mentioned there are other ways to take depreciation, self-storage, mobile home parks. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of commercial real estate where you can do that. One of the things that attracted us to multifamily was the fact that, especially the way um, our approach is to find more uh, value-add uh, type multifamily mm -hmm. properties where they're, they're uh, either run down or they've just lacked attention over the years. And we can then come in as owners and infuse or inject a bunch of capital to improve the living conditions of the community. And so in that way, you know, we give back to the community through higher living standards, but then we also are giving uh, good returns to our investor base. Uh, and so, you know, for us, it's just a, it's a super rewarding um, business to go about in that way. And so, you know, we try to view our businesses in, um, in giving back and, you know, to the theme of your podcast, that's very much a part of our why is really um, wanting to serve and to give back and to, you know, leave the world a better place than when we came in it just, you know, that doesn't have to be uh, magnanimous uh, type thing. It can be little day-to-day -day things, but um, at least doing something to feel like you're making a difference um, as you walk across the earth and spend your time here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think it's, it was at, we were, we were for people listening, we were all just at the same conference, the best ever conference. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that struck me about the conference was the number of people that were speaking that talked about their impact, right? That they're at, at they reach a point and they're investing where it's kind of there's there's more than enough money. Like it's not it's not hard to <laughs> no longer trying to replace a W two job. It's like what can I do? What good can I do with this? And I thought that that was um, really uh, very special and, and inspiring to see in some of those speakers yeah. that you know it's like that you you can see how clearly how successful they are you know sort of on paper but but really what what they're after at that point is just their impact on and giving back so i, I think it's it's very cool to to have seen that and and you know sort of to hear that from you guys i i think that's really probably a good transition too so usually we i uh, i ask people a set of questions and the first one is always what is your why so you may you may have sort of just answered that question i don't know if you have anything else uh that goes into it and far as you know what keeps driving you and and what your what your your own personal why i know people have i i think the why is is multifaceted and, and also sometimes fluid you know which changes over time absolutely right. yeah i mean we 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 keep it front and center <clears throat> and we try to at least you know in our office and we have it printed out several places where we can where we can see it but i've been dominating this conversation oh, that's so wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um i mean yeah to your point it is multifaceted we have several several things that we cling to and i don't know if you want to share 
some of our whys, but well, I definitely, yours. But. Yeah, I definitely think Mike touched on it. Like our personal why is um, Mike and I are very similar, which is a blessing. Uh, we are very similar in our views. We don't chase the next shiny object or the next, um, we don't want to accumulate stuff in this life. We are, our why is really, um, be financially free, having financial freedom to spend the time in the way that we love and, and want to spend our time. Mm -hmm. And we, we love to travel, we love to spend time with each other. And I think that's, for us, that's our why. And also leave a legacy for our girls. Um, we both would love for them to be inspired to look, to look at life in a different way and to have a different mindset about about work work life and work life you know work and life balance and and to be able to pr probably start so younger than when than we started because many times we think why we didn't we start this sooner than we did you know we, we were we were pretty not old because we're not old but we were older than i would have wanted to start yep. but in the same time i look at our life like I don't have regrets because we are where we are because of the everything that we went through and that's okay but we i wish that our girls that we leave that legacy of also wealth but a legacy of mindset you know of of, of a different mindset to look at life in a different way and start maybe investing uh at this younger age yeah i mean i i couldn't agree more about you know sort of, i i as I touched on before, I think everybody's, everybody's backstory is, you know, sort of contributes to where they are now. And I, I too, now that I know all of this stuff, I'm like, oh, I wish I had started in my 20s. You know, it's like, so does everybody, right? It's like, you, you, everybody wishes they could go back in time. I wish I knew in, you know, 2009 and 2010 that, 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 <laughs> the Great Depression was going to end and there was going to be a 10-year boom and that like I everybody wishes we knew that but but yeah I mean li living without regrets and then just doing doing what you can do now and 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 leaving that legacy passing it on to to younger generations that that's how I I feel a lot that's that's actually kind of what I'll get really fired up because I talk you know I talk when I talk to younger people that are I'm like listen you start if you start now you don't have to, it's not going to be hard. You have time on your side, like start now. I, I, I sometimes feel like, you know, I'm trying to play catch up a little bit because I'm just like, oh, if I had start, you know what I mean? But it's, and it's, so I, that's one of the big things that I, for me is, is I'm passionate about is just changing. Young people aren't taught this. We, we aren't taught this in school. It's not in high school, not in college. Like it's, it's, unless you're seeking it out, it's not really a part of, the normal curriculum and it should be and I think that you know you what you're doing with your daughters I, I my kids it's the same I mean they're too young now the oldest is only three so it's not like I can't <laughs> can't exactly teach him real estate investing yet but it will be it will be soon uh and he knows you know I, I talk about it with him I talk about it in front of him you know he he knows <laughs> he will know and and my daughter too when she's older like they will know what what this is about and then they can use those tools at a younger age to then essentially just op it opens everything else up for them which, which i think is is very cool 
Ideally, at the same time, you know, we're all on our own journey and um, we have to come to our realizations largely on our own. I mean, it's especially when your parents are, are saying things a lot of times we're not too receptive, but you know, exactly, <laughs> to Lidge's, exactly to Lidge's point, I think we are the sum total of our experiences, right? So like if I, I have moments where I think, gosh, if I had started earlier, I would have done this, but I mean, my, my, the, let's just call it the first half of my career was invaluable. I mean, I, I learned how to thrive in um, a workplace environment. I learned how to run a business uh, very well. Uh, And so now we run our businesses like a business and we do it in a very disciplined way and we, we thrive at it. Um, you know, I learned uh, a lot of skill sets that I apply today. We, I, I, I earned a boatload of money in the corporate world that we were able to then transfer into um, our entrepreneur life. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that I, um, you know, just as you said, I wouldn't necessarily change anything, but it's nice to sometimes think, oh, you know, we, we could have never met if I would have started uh, right. all earlier or something. But <laughs> yeah, so, every, you know, every every moment impacts the next. And, and I totally yeah. agree. And it, it's like I said, for me, it's more it's not that I'm like, oh, my kids are going to have to be real estate investors. Like it's more <laughs> right. just That's right. they need to know what's available to them. And if if they want to have a, a job or whatever they I just want them to be able to do whatever they can want to do. That's basically right. what it comes down to. So it's yeah. like, and I feel like, like if people don't tell you this, don't teach you about this stuff in school and how to be financially responsible and what to do. And it's like, it, it, all of it adds up to where you are now. But I think if you can interject some insight there, mm-hmm. then then they can hopefully <laughs> do some things with it. Just maybe just in, in conjunction with me. Maybe we just do it together as fun. I, I'd love to flip houses with my kids. Like I, I, yeah. I like building. I like that and have done it on my own. And I hope someday just to do that, not even like as a job. I just want to teach my kids those skills because I think they're important. Yeah, I think, you know, directly, directly to, you know, I love the subject matter of your, of your podcast because I think today, now more than ever, and when I think about our children, life is so uh frenetic you know we we get up uh have breakfast go to school um after school activities do your homework do all this stuff and then you know it just snowballs for most people and we don't take that time to think about what is my why and what do i want out of life because you know, that is the foundation of it all. And, and if you don't stop to think about it, then you are just reacting or you are the, um, you know, the subject of somebody else's why that, you know, they, they go. So like you said, whether it's real estate or many people are fulfilled greatly by having a job and, and doing things. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Right. But it's just, are you, are you doing it? And have you, you know, mapped out what is important to you out of life and largely, or, you know, the majority of your time, are you getting closer to that or is something taking you away from that? And so that's where, you know, that's probably the greatest lesson or the greatest, I don't know if it's a lesson or a skill set or both, 
that we can instill in our children is just to regularly stop, reflect, whether it's, you know, journaling or thinking or, or doing whatever, but just kind of consciously think about what do I want out of life? What do I want out of this life? You know, and, and, and then to know that it is achievable, right? You don't, you don't have to get trapped into uh, working a job and just trying to get promotion after promotion and being able to afford a little better car, a little bigger house or do all these things, right? You can, you can set your life up in such a way that it serves you. And, um, you know, we'd probably be a lot, all a lot happier and better off, um, you know, if we, if we did that, but, you know, we have these supercomputers in our hands, uh, most of our waking moments that are telling us what to think, right. Or, or giving us, uh, some outrageous post in front of us that we then spend the rest of the day thinking, I can't believe, uh, so-and-so did whatever, you know, so we're just kind of lost in this uh add uh yeah exactly it's yeah it's 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 a the world is sort of overwhelming and so yeah knowing knowing really what you want out of it i think is is key and and in guiding you through like whatever your you know whatever your choices might be so yes um, and i want to add that you know back in 2016 when we were kind of uh, i can speak for myself but we were invaded with the urgency uh a certain urgency that you know, it's not, um, it's, it's very good to know your why, but it, but then the next step is to act, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to yep. act upon mm-hmm. it. And it's not, you know, we were uh, overwhelmed with this, you know, feeling, if not now, when, you yeah. know, because it's one thing, I mean, there's the procrastination, it's, it's, it's a, it's a t- tendency that we all have the tendency to just procrastinate. And life is so full of seasons and with, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to act upon it maybe next mm-hmm. year or after so after this and this is 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 you know solved and we procrastinate and we find all kinds of excuses and I think for us um we had to totally um take upon this mindset that you know we we have to be committed to follow our dreams and if not now when are we going to do it mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's another aspect that it's very important to, to act upon, upon, you know, and, and take those steps and actions that takes you closer to follow your dreams. Yeah, agreed. And it, because, and I think, I mean, just sort of hit the nail on the head as far as what, what when I say know your why, what, what it really means is it, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily what are your dreams, right? Your, to me, your, your dreams, great, have dreams. Lots of people have dreams and don't do anything for it. The why is that impulse, what, what, what makes you, what causes you to do all of the things, like you said, take action to make those dreams a reality. There has to be some driving force that, because dreams don't come easy, but otherwise they stay just dreams, right? So it, to, the, the driving force to get you to put in whatever it is, the work, the, uh, you know, the sleepless nights, whatever you need to do, the sacrifices that get you there, that's where your why comes in. That's where that, you know, true inner, <laughs> inner drive, I guess, to, to get to those dreams is, is yes. what comes of it. So yeah, I mean, all, all, all really very, very powerful stuff. Um, so next question, 
and I feel like Legia has already sort of cheated because she may have, she may have, this one is, <laughs> she's already got something that's uh, impactful, but basically the next question is, tell us something about yourselves that people might not know. Uh, and whether that's usually I tell people a skill, a hobby, something like that. I feel like growing up in a, in a communist country might, you, you may have already won this game, but if you, <laughs> if you each have something else uh, that you want to put in there, um, That'd be great. Just something, something to let people know a little more about you. It's your turn. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, something we don't know. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, something we're passionate about. I would say, uh, I think it was nine years ago or so, we both decided to go plant-based. So we gave up all meats, animal products. Uh, it was largely health-driven. Just there wasn't a crisis, but it was an awareness of the benefits of you know, less or no meat and, and more plants and, um, and, uh, foods like that. So yeah, we're both vegan. We've been vegan for nine years. Um, and I would say now it's evolved into like, it checks literally all of our boxes, right? I mean, it's, it's healthy. It's good for the environment. It's good for animals. It's good for, um, you know, other, other things. And so, um, I don't know, that's an interesting tidbit. We, yeah. we, um, in November, uh, last year, much faster than I think either of us um, believed we could manifest it. It's been on our vision board for a while, but you know we were able to buy a house in the Colorado mountains, um, and we sit up here at uh, almost ten thousand feet elevation, and uh, we literally have um, fifteen or more deer that just circle our house um, and and are here almost every day, all day. And then there's probably 50 turkey that just, you know, also they, they just flock out here together. So it's nice. I, I, I like to think that they, um, that they, they feel uh, who, who the friendly energy comes from. So they just park it here in our house and, uh, and kind of camp out. But awesome. That's very cool. Do you want to, do you have anything else that you, you want to add? <laughs> Superpower. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's your superpower? Um, next thing is, what is your, uh, what, what's the best way to reach you when people hear this interview? How would you like people to reach out to you? Um, and we'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Sure. Uh, so our, um, our multifamily business is Deaton Equity Partners. And you can find us at DeatonEquityPartners.com. If you go to backslash freedom, we've put a landing page together that kind of has a lot of our stuff. So we have, um, if you're interested in land investing, we have a, a very high level overview of how that works as far as, as well as some resources that people can go explore more. We have a similar primer on multifamily and multifamily investing. Um, our contact information is on there. So if, you know, if anybody's interested in, in real estate, or if you're just interested in exploring how you can take action on achieving your dreams, whether it's, you know, leaving your job or a side hustle or whatever. We, we absolutely love helping people transform uh, their lives and it doesn't have to be a big transformation, right? It can be just mm -hmm. as simple as getting started with something. So contact information's on there, call, email, um, you know, it, it really is what drives us. And so that's probably the best one-stop shop for everybody to go and, and kind of find, uh, you can find our social handles there and all that stuff. So it's, it's a good one-stop shop. Okay, perfect. 
final question, and I'll let you uh, each answer separately. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to budding entrepreneurs, real estate investors to encourage them to kind of reach the level of success that you have? Um, I think the biggest, the, the biggest thing for me, at least, and I speak from my perspective is, is to audit your belief system and your mindset, what happens between your ears. You know, growing up in Romania, for instance, uh, when we started our business, I had to really audit my money story. You know, I, for me, money was scarce. Money was, it wasn't for me. It was for anybody else, but not for me. And um, I wasn't, I wasn't, I always felt like I'm not made for success. And so I, I had to fight with all these things. And I'm not, you know, so, somebody, somebody else might not have to fight with this kind of mindset. But I think we all have a certain money story. We all have a certain uh, story about success and about um, entrepreneurship and about taking risks. And I think auditing the mindset and our stories about all these things, it's, um, it's very, very important and very vital. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Wow, I, I don't even dare. Good luck that following one. that, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's a great one. Uh, and we do work on that. And, and I'll give a shout out to uh, Carol Dweck and her great book, Mindset, um, which really uh, I encourage anybody to read because it's there's so many areas in our life that you don't think about in terms of relationships or parenting or education or money or whatever that this fixed versus growth mindset. But, you know, for me, I would say anybody that, that has the uh, seed of an entrepreneurship is take action, just figure out how you can, you know, daily or weekly, just take a little bit of action, whether it's, I'm a burn the boats kind of a person. We had to, the 2016 event was critical for us because it allowed us to go all in. But a lot of people can do things in parallel and should do things in parallel, quite frankly, because it's, um, you know, if you can, if you can, um, if you can co-manage uh, income coming in while you're fostering something on the side. It's, in my opinion, probably a, a better thing. But I would just say, you know, start taking action. Just don't let don't don't let opportunities go by. Go to conferences, pick up a book, uh, call somebody, set up that LLC, whatever. Just you know, steady, consistent action, and you'll get there. Awesome, I love it. Well. That was great. Uh, I, I appreciate everything that you guys shared. I think a lot of a lot of great insight, and um, I'm I'm very grateful to have now finally met you, even though we didn't get to meet in person. But uh, thank you very much for for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was a real, real pleasure, and um, I'm certain that we will physically cross paths here sure, uh, sometime. Sure, yes, there will be plenty more conferences. All right. <laughs> On that, uh, we will go ahead and sign off for today. All right. Thank you, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.